OAuth 2 has emerged as a de facto standard protocol for securely protecting APIs. It provides applications the ability for secure access while keeping your password safe using authorization tokens. In our increasingly connected world, knowledge on this authorization protocol becomes crucial for developers in order to understand how programs, applications, and websites give access to users. And our guest for today will help us do exactly that. In this episode of Cocktails, we talk to an expert advisor at API University about OAuth. We discuss his book OAuth 2.0, Getting Started in Web API Security, the different flows on how an access token is obtained, how OAuth is utilized for microservices, and the future of the protocol. Welcome to Coding Over Cocktails, a podcast by Toro Cloud. Here we talk about digital transformation, application integration, low-code application development, data management, and business process automation. Catch some expert insights as we sit down with industry leaders who share tips on how enterprises can take on the challenge of digital transformation. Take a seat, join us for a round. Here are your hosts, Kevin Montalbo and Toro Cloud CEO and founder, David Brown. All right, our guest for today is an API expert, author, and advisor at API University. He has consulted companies on digital transformation, API strategy, API architecture, security, software development processes, and software integration. He now uses his background and expertise in technology and software engineering to help companies realize their digital transformation agendas and bring innovative software solutions to the market. He has also published several books, such as RESTful API Design, Best Practices in API Design with REST, and API Architecture, The Big Picture for Building APIs. He also regularly speaks at technology conferences and runs the API University YouTube channel with video tutorials, best practices, and reviews. Today, we're very glad to have him over for a round of cocktails. Matthias Biel, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I am good. Thank you very much for having me, Kevin. Yeah, how's the weather over there? Uh, it's, um, it's turning spring. And like, um, uh, it's really nice now. Uh, really nice to go outside later and have a barbecue. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. All right. So uh, we'll dive right into the questions. We're going to talk about OAuth in this podcast. Uh, let's first talk about your book, OAuth 2, Getting Started in Web API Security. So five years have passed since you released it. Uh, do you think the content is still relevant today or has anything changed since uh, you've released it back then? Yeah, well, um, we have to see that the rate of change that we see right now is really staggering, right? Our society changes more than ever before. Absolutely. We work from home, um, things that people have never imagined. Um, and, you know, everything is turning more digital. So from that perspective, yes, things have changed, but th- some things are still staying the same. Um, the fundamentals that hold everything together digitally, those are bound to stay longer than than some of the other things. So for example, APIs are still there. They are still running under the hood and we need a way to protect those APIs and it's still off. So these fundamentals of how we um, connect digitally and how we protect our most valued assets, those are still the same fundamentally. Now the specifics may have changed and we have learned a lot over the years. We have learned uh, best practices, and um, there's a accumulated um, knowledge base of best practices on OAuth um, that that um, are going to be updated all the time. Yeah. So why do you think OAuth 2 emerges the de facto standard protocol for securely protecting APIs versus other standards? 
Well, um, I think we have to go back in history to a time before OAuth to look at what our toolbox basically looked like back then. I mean, we had passwords, we had certificates, we had MTLS, and that, that was basically the stuff we had in our toolbox. And uh, that worked really fine as long as there are two parties involved, a client and a server. And um, what changed is, well, we have the emergence of an ecosystem world where there is now the need for a end user to delegate access rights to a client um, to access the server in the name of the end user. And that's a new requirement that all of a sudden popped up. And uh, well, there are several solutions to that. And when I think back at how that was solved in the early days, um, I mean, not very good from a security perspective. People have, um, people have included the end user password into the clients. Right. You had to enter basically the the key to the front door of your house um, and, and hand it out to people who were basically just visiting now. But um, that that's really a problem that was solved by OAuth because now it's basically OAuth works like uh, checking into a hotel when you check into a hotel. Um, uh, you don't get handed out the master key to all the rooms. Right. That is kept secret and only a few people can hold that. But when you check into a hotel, you get a, a key card that's programmable and that gives you access, well, to the front door and to your own room and not to any other room in the big house. Um, and it also gives you access only for a specific time period. Right? And afterwards, I mean, maybe you leave it in your pocket, you come back a year later, it won't work, right? Because it um, it is bound and that's basically what was brought um, to this new setup that we had in the ecosystem world. Yeah, uh, I read somewhere that uh, they also compare it to, like you said, the hotel. They also compare it to like a valet key, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the OAuth2 uh, framework, it supports several different flows uh, to obtain the access token, aka, yeah, the, the key card for your hotel room or the valet key, right? Uh, depending on the use case. So can we run through a few of the major flows uh, used for obtaining uh, tokens in OAuth and how can we distinguish them in relation to their specific use cases? Yeah, that's a good question. So um, I think I'm going to run you through the main flow. It's called the authorization code flow. And that's kind of the mother of all the other flows. And the other flows are then shortcuts of this authorization code flow. Right. And so what you do in an authorization code flow is number one, the client requests an authorization code on the authorization endpoint. And there you have the end user in the loop. The end user usually authenticates by logging in with biometrics, with a password, and so forth. Then as an outcome of that, the um, client, the app, receives an so-called authorization code on the redirect endpoint. And with this intermediate code, it can then request an OAuth access token using a back channel, using an API call directly on the OAuth server. Now, when this comes back, the, um, the access token has to be validated um, and then it can be used in order to access resources. But well, this is the OAuth protocol in short for the authorization code flow. Uh, and there's a lot of things that need to happen um, so you can get into the position to even start that OAuth flow, right? Um, and, and that's um, another part that, that needs to happen before that. 
Um, but then we have other flows uh, that, that cut out a part of that. For example, a client credential flow. A client credential flow would um, not require any end user authorization or end user authentication in the beginning because it's a client just accessing it all its own data. Um, so you just cut out basically the first part and you don't have three interaction points, but you just have two interaction points. Yeah, so the flows are making it a little bit more easier for everyone else, including the user and even the vendor, right? Yeah. Yeah, and some of those flows um, that were originally specified some years ago mm -hmm. are now not really best practice to use anymore. So I would say the authorization code flow should be um, the starting point and then um, if there is any need to, to shortcut, then you really need to dig into the security implications of it. All right, so let's talk about microservices now. So uh, is OAuth relevant only for public facing North-South APIs or can it also be used in an East-West configuration between microservices? Yeah, definitely, it can be used for both cases. Um, but I think um, you need to tweak it a little bit different depending on how you want to use it. Right. So, for example, um, the north-south interaction um, is typically something that's used when you have um, exposure of a service externally. And there you use a specific type of token, a so-called reference token. A reference token is um, a token that doesn't contain any data in itself. It's just a reference, like a primary key into a database, and you can, via that, way retrieve additional information uh, from it but in itself if someone would try to decode this access token you wouldn't find anything in it and that's very fine when you have central control when you have a central enforcement point that can then validate that token in a north south um, way of interacting now in if you have this east west type of interaction then you typically want to have a distributed architecture you don't want to have any central points any bottlenecks in your architecture and there um, you should not really have a reference token because a reference token can only be decoded basically in one point in in the whole architecture so then you would have what i call a value token and a value token contains information inside the token so you can decode this token and see what are the access rights who is the user um, uh, and and um, in a very decentralized way each microservice can decode it and and work with that token and then of course you can bring both of these patterns basically together where you have a north south bound interaction to the outside world you translate so to say the reference token that you give out to a value token that you then use inside in your microservice architecture. That's great. All right. So now we all know that OAuth 2, it was ratified at the end of 2012, and it was a way for us to solve the pains associated with OAuth 1. Now, what is on the agenda for OAuth 2.1? Yeah, OAuth 2.1 um, is very interesting because it's basically a simplification and a consolidation of all the things that we have learned since OAuth 2.0 came out. So um, we basically have uh, new information on how to integrate native apps. Um, we have new best practices um, for, for um, browser-based apps, for um, 
proof key of code exchange. So Pixie is the, is the new standard and we basically making that um, a requirement. Um, it basically improves the security level of OAuth, right? With everything mm -hmm. we have learned. And um, I think I think it's great. Yeah, uh, you talk about OAuth a lot in your YouTube channel and a lot in your uh, technology conferences and so on. Is there a um, specific or a significant question that uh, you always like encounter that you you always want to address? Is there like a misconception about OAuth that you want to address, or something that when OAuth uh, comes up, something that you want to address to the audience? Oh, well, people always think that OAuth is super complicated. Um, uh, it's not, right? Um, uh, you, maybe you need to, to get your head around it once, but um, <laughs> I, I would say don't be afraid of it. Um, don't be afraid of the, the OAuth beast or so. <laughs> it's actually quite, uh, quite good and, and a well thought out, and practically proven um, protocol that we should all use more uh, and um, in, in, in our implementations on APIs. So why do you think people are intimidated by OAuth? Well, OAuth is a protocol that requires a lot of um, different players and a very dedicated way of interacting between those players. There are different channels that are um, used. There is a front channel like a UI-based um, interaction, and there is a back channel, an API-based interaction. And somehow you need to make the link between this front channel and the back channel. And um, all these players somehow need to be um, authenticated and you need to be sure that you're talking to the people who are um, supposed to, uh, that, that they're claiming to be. Uh, so bringing all of this together is done very elegantly, I would say, in the OAuth protocol. Um, and uh, you have to look at it as a, as a whole. Um, so I think um, in the beginning, it looks like a, a big pile of spaghetti, but once you go through it step by step, <laughs> I think it becomes very digestible. And I guess the fact that they're dealing with security is like that's right, right that's right but nowadays i think um there are excellent libraries that you can use as a programmer that get you around a lot of these um you know a, a lot of these uh difficult parts and uh, that already incorporate mm -hmm. all the best practices so i would say instead of um you know trying to code the protocol yourself from the start use something that's already out there yeah, including your book, right? Yeah, and also on an implementation level. I mean, uh, use some modules that are out there for, for doing OAuth. Yeah, so uh, speaking of your book, uh, before we you know um, get our uh, listeners excited about all that, uh, if you were to have a wish list for OAuth 3, what would it contain? Yeah, first of all, I mean, OAuth 3 um, does not exist yet. But uh, of course, I mean, after mm -hmm. two, there comes three. After OAuth 2, there's OAuth 3. Uh, and we see a lot of the development already with 2.1. So we accumulate best mm -hmm. practices and then we consolidate. And some of the things that are coming mm -hmm. up right now are also developed in the OpenID Connect community, which I think could um, then at some point also flow back into OAuth, maybe into OAuth uh, 3.0. So we have the rich authorization request uh, and the push authorization request, for example, and we have uh, uh, the Chiba the uh, protocol. Um, uh, that, that could all come back uh, and be consolidated and simplified in OAuth 3.0. And then, of course, I hope that OAuth 3.0 will be as successful as its predecessor, OAuth 2.0. Yeah, right. 
All right. How about your wish list for, you know, after all this pandemic is over? <laughs> <laughs> well, having a really nice vacation somewhere, going on a plane again. <laughs> That's right, right? I mean, like wearing actual pants <laughs> and going on going on traveling. All right. This was a fantastic uh, conversation, Matthias. Uh, where can people learn more about what you do and where can people... All right. Um, yeah, you can go to apiuniversity.com. I'm also on Twitter on API University and uh, Matt Beal uh, and also on my YouTube channel. Uh, you can find me and you can find more um, practical tips on how to use OAuth. All right. That's a wrap. Thank you very much, Matthias. Thank you, Kevin. All right, that's a wrap for this round of cocktails. To our listeners, what did you think of this podcast episode? Let us know in the comment section from the podcast platform you're listening to. Also, please visit our website at www.torocloud.com for a transcript of this episode, as well as our blogs and our products. We're also on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk to us there because we listen. Just look for Toro Cloud. Again, thank you very much for listening to us today. On behalf of the entire team here at Toro Cloud, this has been Kevin Montalbo for Coding Over Cocktails. Cheers!